Welcome to my podcast, where if you know, you know, and if you don't, well, you're about to. In each episode, we're seeking truth and getting real, helping you discover your strength and voice to make the best informed choices on your terms in accordance to his will. So if you know anything about me, you know that I am anti-big anything, big gov, big corporation, etc. But today we are going to be talking specifically about the baby food industry and baby-led weaning and my journey with baby-led weaning, as well as what I've learned from it, some must-dos that I have taken from different resources that I want to make sure that you have on your list and talking about my journey and what led me into discovering certain allergies and what to look for when you are doing the baby led weaning process. Because whether we like it or not, those situations can happen. It's part of life. And I want to make sure that you have these tools and resources to recognize it, how to heal from it, and diagnose your baby. So, first of all, let's talk about the baby food industry. You, like me, probably were fed some sort of baby food, baby puree. Let's just use Gerber, right? That's like the famous one, right? Even our little girl, you know, I don't show her on social media, but if you can envision what a Gerber baby looks like, she looks like a little Gerber baby. But the fact of the matter is that whole industry didn't even exist before the 1920s. So, Rather than thinking people are weird (laughs) or crunchy or whatever you want to label them as for going against the quote-unquote norm by doing something like baby-led weaning, let's just really think about, oh, well, how did we get here? Because if it didn't exist before the 1920s, how are there billions and billions of people? Well, the fact of the matter is, what did people do? What did villages do? What did communities do? God gave women the ability to produce food through milk and breastfeeding. If a mother wasn't able to have a supply, what did typically happen? One of two things. Someone else in the village provided the milk or they were introducing the child to solid foods just like we do now with baby led weaning, right? But this industry... It's, it's very difficult for them to create new customers, right? Because you're relying on people having children. So instead of them focusing on that, what did they do? They focused on how can we maintain our customer for as long as possible? So they did that in a couple of different ways. One, they totally demonized women for being able to use their bodies naturally to feed their children by saying breastfeeding is not enough. The the children aren't getting enough nutrients. Lies, (laughs) right? They would create a new system, right? So it would start with, say, baby puree. Then it moved up to the convenience of pouches or little snacks for kids, whatever it may be, so they could prolong this journey of them providing the food source to your child versus you. It's a $96 billion industry for a reason, but I am here to help you not add to that $96 billion, okay? So food before one is just for fun. And I know when we went to our pediatrician at four months, and I, I love my pediatrician, but she definitely has a 
a sense of Western medicine, you know, in, in her tool belt. She is very much your child, your choice, whatever you want to do. It's not my kid. But I would say that certain sides of things she does err more on the Western way of doing things, if you will. So at four months, she said to me, oh, you can start introducing solids to the baby. And that, I mean, I just kind of yesed her, <laughs> to be real with you. But it was it was a non-issue. It was not going to be happening. And the first thing is our baby has always been in the 90th percentile for her weight. Trust me, she's not lacking in that department. But because she's a bigger baby, developmentally, it's been more challenging for her to start things like, say, crawling, pulling herself up, sitting up on her own, things like that, because she has more mass that she literally has to hold up, right? So her core has taken longer time to develop. And one of the main things about baby led weaning is they have to be able to sit up on their own. So she definitely was not able to do that at four months. The, then, you know, we roll around at our six-month appointment. Now, mind you, just keep this in mind. We're not a cupcake family. If you know, you know, you know what cupcakes are. But I do take her to these appointments just to maintain a rapport with our doctor um, and check her vitals, if you will, height, weight, all of the developmental things, even though we know she's a little rock star. But I do like going in there and having that rapport with our doctor in case there is some sort of emergency. She knows who we are, et cetera. So when we go in for six months, she asked me if I had tried any solids yet. And I said, no. <laughs> she said, are you going to? And and I started to get a little more pressure from my husband um, about it. And this is where I want to make sure I'm recognizing all of the moms out there. Because I think this directly affects moms more than anyone. Your child is going to be able to eat solid foods for the rest of their foreseeable life, right? Until maybe they're 80 years old and need to go back to purees because they don't have teeth. I don't know. But do not let anyone rush this process for you. Not your pediatrician, not your spouse, not your parents, not your in-laws, not your friends. Don't let anyone get in your head about, well, this is what I did. Or, oh, it's so much easier. Or this is what you should be doing. This is your baby. Now, yes, someone else helped you create that baby. But let's be real. If you are the caretaker, the primary caretaker, once you start introducing solids to your baby, it's going to, and it should, as we talk about some of these must-dos, it's going to weigh heavy on you. Starting solids is a huge responsibility. There is a major convenience factor with breastfeeding or feeding out of a bottle, et cetera, right? There, let's be real. It's, it's very, very easy. It's not as messy as baby led weaning. But let's talk more about the fact that it's very emotional for a mother to make this transition from milk to solids. At least it was for me. And I know with a lot of my friends, they have felt the same way. So I don't never want you to feel pressured from people to start before you're ready. 
Because like I said, food before one is just for fun. Their primary source for nutrition is the milk. It is not from the food. So anytime someone starts to say that to you, just know that I stand with you in solidarity, that I know how you feel. And don't be afraid to stand up for yourself and say, this is what we'll start when we're ready. This is what I'm doing. Okay. So let's just lay that out there. On top of all of that, with baby led weaning, there's a lot that goes into it, right? You don't just start giving your kid food willy-nilly. There's a certain process that has to go with baby led weaning. And the first thing that I will say is if you are doing baby led weaning, you're starting to feed your child solid foods, you and whomever else is primarily taking care of your child. And I'm going to keep saying that till I'm blue in the face. The primary caretakers are the focus for baby led weaning, okay? But you all should take a CPR course. First of all, you're going to need that in many different areas of life. I mean, heck, I was out to dinner for my dad's birthday at the end of the year, and a waiter had to give it to one of the patrons at the steakhouse. So CPR is something that you definitely need to know, but they will come into your home. You will get to try it on babies. You will get the dummies, the baby dummies, uh, the toddler dummies, and obviously adults. And it's just something that you want to have in your parental toolbox, if you will, as well as first aid. Because one of the big things with baby led weaning is there's choking and then there's gagging. So Choking is the dangerous situation that you get prepared for and know the signs of when you take that CPR course. And gagging is the totally normal response that babies are going to have. When you think about it, they've been having milk for, let's just say, six months, okay? For six months at a time. And then all of a sudden, you're introducing these new, thicker, weird textures to them they're going to gag. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm 36 years old and I still gag over cottage cheese. So, (laughs) you know, it's very natural for your baby to have that sort of reflex. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're choking. There's definite signs of choking versus gagging. Choking, they're going to be panicked. They're going to be quiet, silent. You will know. Whereas gagging, it's, it's natural. It's their body preventing them from choking, getting the food back up, learning hey, I have to chew this a little more to get it down. And it's a whole process. And that is why baby led weaning is so great for your child. When we give them this canned or glass jar or whatever pre-made food from these companies, we are inhibiting the baby's development. Babies develop when they're more when they are doing baby led weaning. Their body is physically adjusting, right? They're getting stronger with their jaw muscles. Their brain is growing and developing because they're getting used to different textures. They are learning the whole process of chewing more to get food down. They will gain a pincer grasp. My kid, forget about it. She's a pincer grasp pro at this point. She walks around practically like a little crab because she just wants to pick everything up, but they develop that pincer grasp. Not only that, but you know what you're feeding your baby when you do baby led weaning, right? So you know what is going into their body, whereas they're not getting that development from the prepackaged food. They are not 
you don't necessarily know everything or how it was made when you buy these prepackaged foods. Not to mention, I'm just saying, some of them have traceable heavy metals, but I digress. So CPR course is number one. Second thing is I recommend that I personally have the trip trap, say that five times fast, the trip trap, the stroke, uh, that's, I think there's two Ks in that, high chair. It's a five-point harness. So just like we talked about how babies need to be developing sound and sit up on their own, they should have a harness that is keeping them also in that position. When it comes to choking and gagging, a lot of times that happens because kids aren't eating in an environment that's safe for them, whether it be they're running with food in their mouths, they're laying down and eating, they're distracted. You know, there's tons of noises, TVs, cell phones, all the things going around, which I'm going to keep leading back to this, goes back to who is feeding the child, okay? Set boundaries on who is feeding your child. Your kid, your rules. So when it comes to this high chair, proper posture is key. The other thing when it comes to your child once again, this goes back to boundaries, is the person who is feeding the child knows what they've tried. And I know I know a lot of people, and, and they'd mean well, right? They mean well, like, oh, I, let, let's have her try blah, 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 or let's have him, can I give him this? The fact of the matter is with baby led weaning, you need to be very cognizant of what, they've tried and what they haven't and how many times they've tried it. And this leads me into the next piece of our personal journey is I am the primary caretaker for our daughter. I truly, even with my, my husband is here and he will do it once in a while, but I'm the one who's mainly feeding her. I'm keeping track of it on our app. I highly recommend that you follow on Instagram Solid Starts. They have an app. I I pay for the app, but I do believe that they have a free version of it. I also know that their courses are available to those who are solo parenting or are in financial distress right now. I know that they will offer their courses to you for free and you will learn so much from them. And we definitely, as a family, watch the videos together. Like I said, we did CPR together. But when it comes to feeding our daughter, it's on me, which, like I said, goes back to do not rush this process for our mother, okay? Let her trust her natural instincts of when her baby should be starting. I promise you, moms, you are not hindering your kid's development. I promise. They are healthy. They're thriving with the milk you're giving them. And baby led weaning, they're going to catch up so fast. But when it comes to the foods, you do need to test one food at a time. You need to make sure that your child is not allergic, which leads me into our journey with the allergy. So yes, of course, you're figuring out the right size of the food and how to cut it and all the things. And those resources I told you about on Solid Starts, they, they will teach you individual foods on the right size because a lot of times people think, oh, a small baby, small portion. No, it's actually the opposite. You want to have larger portions. But when you are tracking the food, the baby 
might not necessarily have a reaction right away. So I want to touch on allergies. What we mainly know is the IgE-mediated allergy. So they will even tell you when you are starting baby lead weaning to make sure that you have some sort of children's Benadryl on hand. You know how I feel about OTCs, but when it's an emergency situation, you do what you have to do, right? So you should have, when you're doing baby lead weaning, some sort of children's Benadryl if they do have an allergic reaction. Now, IgE mediated is what you would think of hives, um, anaphylactic shock, right? And it's a fast reaction. It, it happens as soon as the kid, it, they don't even have to eat it. They could touch the food and this can happen to them. Now, for us, we had tried at least over 20 foods. It might even been close to 30. And I tried allergens. I We did peanut butter. She was fine. Almond butter, fine. Uh, dairy, loves, she loves Greek yogurt, loves cheese. But for whatever reason, I, I don't quite know why, I kind of delayed doing eggs. And we were up in New York, and my dad made the baby an omelet, and it was very, very well done. It was practically a pancake. And I cut it into slices, and she definitely didn't even have the whole thing. And what you'll learn with baby led weaning is half the food you make these kids doesn't even end up in their mouths, okay? Um, It's very, very messy. So just embrace that process, get a smock, laugh at it, you know, and understand that that's just part of the journey. But she only had this one little piece and she loved it. I mean, I have a photo of her take, you know, eating it. This was in the beginning of October and she couldn't get enough. And at the time she had, I think she had a strawberry with it too, but she had already had strawberries. So it was a non-issue. We get back home to Florida and about I think it was a couple of weeks later. It definitely wasn't like a week later. I think it was two, maybe even three. Now, this is why I'm telling you, please learn from my mistakes. Food, journal, everything. Write down the first time they've tried this, the second time they've tried that, whatever it may be, because you want to be able to have data when and if this situation comes up for you. So we had a day off as a family and my husband was making scrambled eggs and we had fruit, yada, yada. And we said, okay, the baby, she had milk. That is another factor. If you, your baby, because it's before one, right? They still are getting their primary source of nutrients from their milk. So the baby should be having milk. However, you choose to give your baby milk, breastfeeding, formula, whatever, bottle, um, should be having that normal meal 30 minutes before they have solids. You're not, especially for my breastfeeding moms, you don't want the solid food to start replacing the breast milk or milk in general, right? Because that is their primary source of food. So you want to make sure that they are developmentally sound and growing. But also, if you are breastfeeding, you don't want it to impact your supply. That is huge. I want to make sure everyone knows that. So she had her milk and we said, okay, she wants to sit down and have breakfast with us. Now, she loves food. She's a foodie like her mom and dad. And we, instead of the egg being like that pancake, like I said, we didn't know, (laughs) didn't think anything of it. 
it was more of a scrambled egg. She ate all of it and everything was fine. And then I would say, because I I don't, I didn't document it, (laughs) but it was at least an hour later where she's playing, having a good old time. And all of a sudden she went white as a ghost and she started projectile vomiting. And I'm not talking about once, okay? Which that's where we're going to talk about an IgE mediated reaction versus what is known as FPIs, which is food protein induced enterocolitis syndrome. So this was a delayed reaction. But we thought as her parents, oh, she just ate too much. We thought that that's what happened. Turns out I tried a week later. So now we're in mid-November. I was making myself scrambled eggs. And I said, all right, she already ate her milk, like I said, a half hour ago. And now let's have her try again. Now I'm home by myself, mind you, which is the other tip that I will give you if you're doing baby lid weaning. Use my situation as your example. When you are trying new foods, you do not, and I emphasize this as a never ever, try new foods at nighttime or before a nap. And it is because of the situation that I went through that please use it as a learning experience. My kid doesn't nap, so that's a non-issue. But as far as the evening goes, we have never given her a new food late at night, especially one that is a known allergen or what we thought was a known allergen because you don't want this situation to happen while they're sleeping and create an even more dangerous situation when it comes to them throwing up. So I feed her the eggs. Same thing happens. About 90, an hour to 90 minutes later, we're playing in the living room. She pauses. I thought she was going to the bathroom. Nope. Projectile vomiting. Projectile vomiting, um, I mean, totally turning ghost white. Like the temperature of her skin was not great. It was cool. It, it was it was awful. It was probably one of, if not the worst experiences, to see your little baby, who at the time she was only eight months, going through this. So once that happened, like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So I decided, all right, no more eggs. Eggs are clearly the issue. I connected the dots, and then my pediatrician said, why don't you go see an allergist? Because obviously that's what she's, you know, an expert in, right? Versus my pediatrician. My pediatrician said, let's just stay away from eggs. That was her advice, which in hindsight is what we're going to have to do. But I take her to the allergist. And when you have a kid who has an IgE mediated allergy, meaning the hives, the fast reaction, when they get a skin test, it'll pop up right away that they are allergic to whatever the food was. Whereas FPIs, you can't do a blood test. It's going to come up negative, which is what it did for our baby. They did it twice because the doctor didn't believe it. <laughs> and they came up neg- it came up negative both times. The only reason she was not quick to diagnose FPIs for our baby is because the typical triggers for it are milk, soy, rice, oats. But it truly can be anything. But she has not had problems. I mean, I don't give, I don't, I haven't given her any soy. But she's had milk products. She's had rice. She's had oats. 
Eggs, yes, it can be definitely an allergen. Like I said, it could be anything, but that wasn't one that came up for her. But her acute reaction of throwing up right away was a really big red flag. Typically, though, that happens with kids two to three hours later. But everything else checked all the boxes. So it could have been just my mom clock being off that it, it actually did happen later. But I, I didn't know. Like I didn't know at the time that she was going to have this reaction. And with FPIs, there's acute, like our baby had, and then there's chronic. So chronic doesn't have that violent vomiting. It's more of an intermittent vomiting, um, whereas the acute, I mean, she goes until nothing is left in her. And that's what can be very dangerous is it can lead to shock. Thank the good Lord we did not experience that. But like I said, you experience that twice and you know immediately that something's wrong. So I tell you all of this to say it is so important to food journal and to do one food at a time. And for you to be the only person who's giving the food, because I don't want you to end up in a situation that I am in. And I actually described this situation on my Instagram one day. And my friend Crystal happened to show up on the live, which she normally doesn't do. And she's a good friend of mine. Many of you from the truther sphere probably know her. And I'm excited for you to hear from her. But she reached out to me and said, Marin, my son went through this and I would love to talk to you more. So I'm going to give you a part two of this podcast because I have not gone through that journey of healing the baby. Quite frankly, all we're doing is food avoidance and continuing with our food journal because yes, they can be triggered by anything. And sometimes they do have, I mean, they can have only one trigger, they could have 30. So it's very important that we stay on top of that food journal. And if you're listening to this right now and you have a recommendation on what I could swap out for our little one's birthday cake at the end of this month, it's her first birthday, I would appreciate you sending me these recs on Instagram because I'm at a complete and utter loss on what to substitute in for a cake smash. The good news is, Hopefully, we are in the majority of the kids that do recover from FPIs. Typically, they will be totally relieved of these allergies by the age of three. This isn't a forever thing like an IEG mediated. Although it is very stressful to pinpoint where it comes from, it does typically for most children disappear. In the meantime, I'm going to continue to learn from Crystal and her son Elliot's journey, and I can't wait for you to do so as well. Make sure you tune in next week. We are going to hear her testimony when it comes to dealing with and healing from food allergies, but so, so much more. You do not want to miss this episode. Trust me. She is one of my favorite OG truth-seeking friends. Thanks for listening to the If You Know You Know podcast. I hope this episode resonated with you. If you want to get more of this type of content, make sure you follow me on Instagram at M.A. Crowley. And if you love this episode, let me know by tagging me on IG or even leaving a podcast review. See you next week. And remember, if you know, you know, and if you don't, well, you're about to.